If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Willow. Long ago, in a time of magic and sorcery, an evil sorceress named Queen Bavmorda ruled the land under a reign of terror. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Guys, we've made it. It's the last game of 1989. That's actually incredible. How long have we been in 1989? We've been here for a long time. We started in on like January of 2021. Wow. So it's been about two years. I've already had kids, put them through college. It's been a long time here. Yeah. Joe, what was your question? What was our next longest year? I feel like we haven't even come close to this long. Yeah, no, it's, it's always just getting progressively longer and sad news. Next year, 1990 is even longer. So these best of episodes that are always how we end each season um, are only going to get increasingly further away. But uh, funny enough, it's not the number of episodes, or, or rather number of games we played this year that's interesting. It's that we're ending 1989, and it's exactly the 250th NES game being released. That's not, like, on purpose, right? Like, that's just a fun coincidence. I mean, I don't think there's any significance to the number 250 after, what, four years? So, I think that's just you and your numerology, Mike. <laughs> Right, like Nintendo wasn't like, well, we have to release 250 games by 1989, and then we can just put all the games into syndication. <laughs> right, that's what it is, yeah. And then all the actors who played all the sprites get, uh, get their... Yeah, they um, get the royalties. Royalties, yeah. <laughs> Very funny, Joe, I like that. Uh, before we talk about Willow the Game, we should talk about Willow the Movie, uh, of which the game is loosely based on, uh, if, if anything, really, maybe some character names. And speaking of character names, in the back of the box that I read before the theme song for Nostalgia, I said Queen Bavmorda. Does that, like, I didn't watch the movie. Does that sound right? Does anybody know? Like, that's a tough name to say out loud. That's how I've been saying it in my head, Bavmorda. I mean, Mike, I, not only have I not watched the movie, but until I saw this come up, I had never even heard of the movie. Okay, but come on. This movie has everything. This is like the power of marketing at work. It's a story by George <laughs> Lucas. It's directed by Ron Howard. It's got Val Kilmer. Of course, this thing, you know, they were going to make toys for it and everything, but having Capcom make the video game is like a step up because usually with movie games, you get like LJN to snap up these games and just do like a quick <laughs> rush job. But I guess I'm not saying George Lucas directly talked to Capcom, but somebody knew like, hey, who's making... Good games these these days. Yeah. yeah well, I, did anybody see the movie to compare it to the game? I mean, I, I, I'm curious as to how close it even comes. All right. Well, Joe, for the sequels and spinoff section, there are like three different Willow games that were all made for different platforms. And uh, it varies on how closely they get. But the NES version is probably like the furthest away from the idea of even what the movie was. Like a lot of these quests things that we go on throughout the game, those things don't even happen in the movie. Yeah, I, I watched the trailers. Uh, there, there was a couple trailers that I watched, and the, they mostly focused on you trying to, like, escort a baby with, like, uh, like a band of brotherly what, what's-its. Um, and there wasn't a baby in this, so I have to say that it's pretty far off from the plot. Yeah, I, I saw the trailers too. I feel like the baby is referenced a lot, but never like you're never escorting a baby anywhere. There'd probably be a whole different type of uh, gameplay loop. And I guess like, you know, now in 2022, when you're playing Willow, the video game, it doesn't even matter, right? It's actually fine that it's not related to the game at all because we didn't watch the movie and we didn't, you know, this isn't a movie review party. So we're just playing the video games. 
But it would have been odd, right, to play, you know, to watch the movie and then find out there's the video game and it's a completely tangential story. I guess the most surprising part of that is just that it seems to be a much more story-focused video game. So the fact that it kind of skirts around it as much as it does is, like, that makes it weird. Like We've well, played see, I, a lot I, of video games based on movies that have nothing to do with the movie, but they're just like, here, shoot the thing. Right. Well, I would say, though, that this, this game, if, I mean, again, I can't even confirm how, like, how much it skirts away from the actual plot of the movie, but, but it seems like it does quite a bit, and I think that that is a, almost exclusively a positive thing for this game. It never felt like it was tied, you're doing some arbitrary thing because it happened in the movie, it felt like this game was built to be a video game. Like, it felt like they did it the right way, where they... They based it on, like, the source of the story rather than, like, let's take the movie and translate it directly into a video game or, like, the opposite where it's, like, let's just take the characters and make them do shit that is fun. It's, like, got a nice balance of, like, the story. I'm assuming at least the, like, uh, the heart and the base of the story is there, but they didn't feel married to it all. And they, like, it seems like they de- they decided let's design a good video game and not just design a copy of the movie. I think that's a great point, Joe. Uh, and I was also just checking, you know, the movie came out a year ago, so it's not even that the movie and the game came out around the same time and that they just were given, like, a log line and maybe some, like, like a deck that showed, like, who these are the characters and these are their bios. Uh, it was it was already released, and so, they, you know, I don't know what video game timelines were like back then, but it wasn't, you know, the seven-year timelines that some AAA games deal with now. So it, it, is, it is a little strange, but I... You know, having played the game and having the hindsight behind it, uh, yeah, I do think that it's for the best that there's no uh, tie-in to the movie because I understood at, at all times in this game what I was doing and where I, you know, like what my task was. And if I got lost, it was more, you know, you just don't ha- you don't have access to a map, so you just gotta kind of like explore for a little bit. But it's really hard to get like lost, lost in this game. Would would you agree with that? <laughs> I think there's enough uh there's enough landmarks and um like the directional objectives like the the people in the game are are pretty good about like hey this is where this might be nudge nudge wink wink and uh you can kind of get a mental map in your head pretty good um so no I think that the exploration in this game is 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 pretty clear yeah, I'll, I'll come right out of the gate and say one thing that I noticed about this game that I don't think I've really noticed about any other games is, um, well, games of this style where you're on this kind of, like, long adventure, is that this is the first time that I've felt almost no need at all to ever look at a guide. Like, and I think that that has to do with, like, yeah, the, what you're saying. Like, the the world isn't, the world is designed to feel big and vast, but it also does not feel super confusing. You don't feel like you can get, like, super lost. It, it Like, it it feels like you're guiding yourself, but also it never it never seems messy. Okay, yeah, and not to get like too into it, but I do think that the fact that uh, it's an ARPG where you gain experience points through battling enemies, it sometimes helps to just get lost and if you know and and re-explore an area of the forest that you're like, mm, did I make a wrong turn or something? It's like, well, at least I'm fighting enemies and gaining experience and getting stronger. That kind of thing is always a positive versus in a um, you know, in a platforming game or a uh, action game where you just feel like you don't know what to do next. In those games, you're not really progressing. You're the same character you've always been. You don't um, gain experience. And I feel like that's one thing that Willow has going for it. It also, in terms of exploration, has pretty uh locked ideas, at least in the beginning, right? Like, you can only go north. They tell you that the next thing to do is north. You go north. And then afterwards they maybe introduce the idea of branching paths where it's like you can go east or west but it's not like you can go east and then north south and west you know it's like after that you kind of are like that's the next thing that i have to do or if i went the opposite direction because i didn't listen to anybody in the town i'll get punished for it maybe by some strong enemies or maybe there will just not be anything to do there yet for me but they don't completely let you just walk around the entire map um without your sword and have no way to um to do anything and then be like well how the hell do i even get back to the beginning that 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 problem never occurs yeah yeah and you know to clarify you know what i was saying there i i guess i don't just mean as far as 
navigating the map. I guess I mean other games that we've played that are similar to this, whether it's like Faxanadu, which is kind of similar, or um, or even Zelda Two. You know, these are both different, but they have like a similar um, kind of goal to it, where you're where you're exploring and and in this like large story based game. Those games, I there was always times where I felt like I not I didn't know where to go, but I didn't know what to do next. This game has a does a good job of like letting you understand the layout of the world, but also letting you understand this is your goal. This is where you should be trying to go. So I won't say it never happened where I got like lost, but almost never. And that probably comes down to the fact that there's minimal flavor in the dialogue. And what I mean by that is that they're being pretty clear about what you need to do, depending on the person you talk to. There's very little like, um, you know, oh, I wonder what they mean by that. Or... um you know, or just like, oh, this is just somebody's building the story of this town. Like, this person's just explaining what happened in, in in this town, and now I have some world building. For the most part, characters in this game are really just telling you about items you'll later get, or who you should speak to, or where you should go, which is helpful, I, right? I'd say that there there's still flavor, and, and there are, like, a couple, like, huts per town where you'll get just like oh no the evil what's a bob uh they they took my they took my chickens or something along those lines um and like even that there's the two little guys like that they're obviously there for comic relief i think it's it's not just um utility um and it's more so i think a lot of the games that we've seen this in before are just so like uh, laconic that they only say like seek out green mountain and then you have to just assume like I don't know is that is that like a poem like are they just are they just trying to give me this info I think it's just that it's it's conversational enough that it's it's more clear to us yeah I mean I agree that it's never uh, or that there is flavor to it but I do think that it is um, that there is substance there just as far as directing you where to go which so I guess yeah, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's effective, and 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 it. Well, as I was playing it, I was like, it kind of got me thinking. Like, wait, what about what is it about this game that suddenly we're capable of having multiple full paragraphs for all these characters? Whereas, like something you know, we had like Castlevania two or or like Zelda two, where it's like, oh, they had to they had to fit in the, what they were trying to say in like in like seven words or something, and that's what everything got confusing. That comes down to presentation, right, Joe? I mean, when you talk to somebody, you enter a different kind of cutscene where, you you know, the actual uh, graphical sprites and, and characters are a much, much smaller section of the screen uh, to your benefits. This way you can fit more text and they, you know, they clearly like designed uh, with it in mind. I think in Zelda 2, you don't really like break away from the same view. In, in this, when you talk to any character, be they in a hut or in the overworld, it snaps you into a different um, more, uh, you know, like there's a bunch of different frames going on uh, inside of the inside of the sure. I guess I'm just uh, like, what was stopping those other games from just having the text box and then scroll to the next text box and then the next text box until everything you want to say is said? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Which is yeah, that kind of what it feels like this game does. Yeah. yeah, and before before this, I was kind of just under the impression that there was like this weird limitation of the NES. That like you couldn't have as many characters or whatever, which when I look back at it, like doesn't really doesn't really add up because you can obviously do things that are more robust than text. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to game development. So maybe I'm just missing some obvious point. But something about this game was able to just be really clear and robust with the dialogue, whereas a lot of other games that were trying to do the same thing for some reason felt that, like they had to like, put of, it into code. That's something that I I really liked about the game though, and like. I I don't know like I think like with older games like a lot of these things that seem very clear to us just weren't really codified at least in the home console market but like just going into these uh like these sort of dialogue um mini scenes uh with with each having uh a variety of backgrounds and they each have those pains and everything is just very clearly presented to you and that even moves on to like the the start menu being very clearly presented and even on the overworld you always have all the information you might need just right there in the top left corner it all feels very polished and uh very cleanly made and 
Joe, one last thought on the, and I'm obviously not an NES developer either, but I think what I was trying to say is just that, you know, there is a certain amount of, like, capabilities with the, within, like, the screen, and so I know for, like, Kirby's Adventure, a game that we'll get to sometime uh, on this podcast, they actually, like, to, to make it so that they could do more with the NES hardware, they you know, they made the actual, like, real estate of what happens in gameplay much smaller, and they put on, like, a, you know, a HUD over it to to mask that, but ultimately you are playing, like, out of the 248 pixels that you're supposed to get, you're only using, like, 112 of them or something like that, and so I, I was saying that maybe that's how they pull off this this feat of being able to program more text into each one of these mini cutscenes because they're reserving power from everything else by making the pixelated characters so much smaller and in a little window, you know, similar to like how Shadowgate was played the entire game in a very small window because it would have taken more. I, I power is probably not the word, but just like real estate for the cartridge itself. Like they would have needed a massive cartridge or a different kind of cartridge than Nintendo was producing to do it the same way as computers were doing it. That makes sense. Yeah. I see what you're saying now that that tiny little like compressed version of the big screen takes up so much less, I'm assuming, room or whatever uh, you want to call it to make room for the text. probably a good point to explain the uh the game to everybody who uh, hasn't been following along i think we've actually done a great <laughs> job though uh you know you guys were using a lot of strong examples of other games we played that are similar and yes like a lot of people would call this just like uh, some of the other games that we played a zelda clone um and it kind of is in some regards it's a you know it's a 2d arpg zelda didn't have experience points in um in this game you do and unlike uh the first zelda as we mentioned, there's NPC characters that you can talk to, too, and towns you can visit and quests to, to go on to get the next thing. Um, the experience points and the magic system, uh, that idea is similar to other games we played, like Fazanadu and stuff, but also just a lot of 16-bit, like Genesis and Super Nintendo games that were ARPGs are very similar to how Willow plays. And so, yeah, I was kind of shocked uh, from both a, a graphics point of view, but also you know a the game is simple but it's 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 so streamlined that it it always works you know like the the gameplay that the gameplay loop the the tasks the quests the uh the items you receive like it's never really becoming anything more than a zelda clone but as a zelda clone it's totally working for me i don't know what you guys uh think about that i, I don't know if i would say that it never becomes anything more i mean more is maybe the wrong word but it definitely kind of branches into its own territory at least with the um with the experience and the and like the leveling up and whatnot maybe th maybe that's maybe i'm putting too much weight on that element of it but like that made it feel very different to me than at least the original legend of zelda but i do agree with you that i felt like everything felt like it worked cleanly and the um like the the gameplay loop was simple enough but it it feels like you're progressing as you play I, I mean, I, I had a I had a blast with it as a Zelda clone or otherwise. Yeah, I think um, one of the main differences between like a, like Zelda, while the gameplay itself is very Zelda, um, the experience is it has more unique here because of the more focus on story. Like the fact that you get pulled into these uh, dialogue pains and there's more context to what exactly you're doing. You're not just sort of wandering into a cave and having a few lines of dialogue uh said to you and then uh maybe after that you won't hear more dialogue for a while like there's actual conversations there's like arcs when you go back to a town that you sort of uh beat back the enemy of like they will go and thank you like it just feels a, a bit more narrative 
Um, yeah, it's lived then, in for sure. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And I do like that touch too, Sean. That's a great point that you mentioned is that it's not, can you, you know, like you must go to the cave and defeat blah, 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 and then defeat the monster in the cave, go back. And they're like, you must defeat the monster in the cave. It, 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 they do kind of evolve or at least, you know, there's, there's story checkpoints and yes, like that also means that content will be gated off because you have to complete those story checkpoints before you can move forward. But it makes it feel much more like an adventure than, um, you know, like, like you're, that, that you're helping out these towns and you're growing with these other characters. It makes the experience part of the game, the gaining experience points, more than just a, um, you know, a, a grinding enemies thing. But you're also experiencing like the progress of this world that is uh, currently being affected by uh, Bob Morda. Yeah, yeah, it does a great job of like really contextualizing everything you need to, you need to do. It never feels like it's just giving you some vague, weird hint that's just like, okay, obviously they just want me to go do this next. It does feel like everything exists for a story purpose, even if it was probably there for a gameplay purpose. They, it just feels like they put thought into like, okay, what would the story of why you have to do this next be like? So I never felt like I just was told what to do, but I always felt like I knew where to go because. I was fouling the story. Whereas I feel like other games have sometimes uh, there's been like those two elements have been sort of divorced from each other. And another thing to go back to the comparison with uh, Zelda or Zelda likes uh, is that, you know, there's not really um, there's no puzzle solving in this game. Really? It, it, it comes down to the combat. The combat system is the core of the game and l- learning how to uh, attack enemies, but also use the various magic you get is is the core gameplay loop. And not that that's a bad thing, that there aren't puzzles, but it's worth mentioning that, you know, certainly Zelda games have definitely evolved to the point where puzzles, you know, are like a huge part of the game, like going into dungeons and moving rocks into certain patterns to, like, get by. Uh, even another game uh, that reminds me a lot of Willow, Pokemon, uh, has a puzzle element to it, and Willow never went in that direction. And I just wonder, you know... Did you guys notice that at all? Did it, it didn't bother me. I'm just yeah, it's something I noticed. I noticed it. Um I think that there's there's enough variety in the enemy designs um and a good enough like control scheme for the combat that I it I buy it that this is just a more action focused game. Um, like between the different patterns, like it's not just like, oh, there's another like two by one enemy that just looks a little different and they're going to call it a different enemy. Uh, they all seem to have their own patterns and like kill conditions and uh, like the magic affects them differently and the the magic itself adding a bit to that. So I think there's enough there to say that it's just not puzzle focused and not so much like the the lack of them. It like had a hole in the game. Yeah. I actually didn't really notice or think about the fact that there are no puzzles. I mean, now that you mention it, it's apparent, but I, you know, I love a good puzzle, but I think I was just having a good enough time with what they offered in this game that I wasn't feeling like it needed to add more like Zelda, like dungeon puzzles. And my Pokemon analogy is kind of funny because uh, some people will argue with you whether Pokemon is a JRPG or not. But my my thinking of Pokemon is just because that's what I played when I was a kid that, and getting that feeling of adventure. But really, JRPGs have always been doing this where they start you in your hometown and you like talk to your folks and they say like, you know, have a, you know, like go on this mission. And like you talk to the local guy who in Pokemon is Professor Oak, but uh, I don't remember his name here, but he gives you. Uh, your first sword. High Aldwin. Oh no, High Aldwin was one guy you had to talk. Oh yeah, yeah, but he gives you the magic, uh, right? The acorns. Yeah, the acorns, and then Von Car gives you the sword. Right, right, and so you know, like uh, that whole like uh trope that always happens in JRPGs. It's funny that I think of Pokemon, but really, like I just think even if it's been done before, it's just done really well here, and there's like immediate buy-in into the process just by the way the game starts. Uh. You know, being so straightforward and being like, go north, and then you go north and you run into some enemies on particular screens, and then you meet the next town, and it's like, that reminded me of being in Pallet Town and going to um, Viridian, Uh, you know? uh, That's just, 
uh, that's that's where my mind went. <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt that too because it it just feels like such a condensed world. Like even back when I was a kid, it was just like, oh, like the next town over is only like three or four screens. But yeah, I didn't actually put that together until now. But uh, now that you say it, like that's that's just it. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like start a fight here between. Uh, turn-based RPGs and ARPGs because they are completely different genres. But I feel like just because we played Dragon Warrior this year as well, this game kind of, and I know like in the Japanese like library, Dragon Warrior was a much earlier game, but this game kind of like eats Dragon Warrior's lunch just in the terms of ideas that it was setting out, right? Going out on an adventure and uh, that sense of exploration. Like in Dragon Warrior, you're just walking over and uh, in a, a world map and so you don't really get that sense of like crossing over a desert or being in a forest but you know Willow's able to do it a, a lot more convincingly because you are real time attacking other enemies and still going through those environments but actually like getting lost in them yeah I mean I think whether whether or not it's it's turn based or action there's just like a there's just a polish to the design of the world of Willow that is more attractive. It personally, you know, it. I mean, it just depends on what you're, what you're, you know, what you're looking for, I guess. But for me, it's just this world that feels like a world, you know. Whereas the, you know, uh, like Dragon Warrior, maybe feels like a world, but not not as robust as this. That I mean, you know, that feels like the the elements. <laughs> the concepts that you want in your world, like, oh, the desert area, the cave, this. But this feels like everything has been, um, I don't know, everything is much more more intentional feeling. When you play every game on the system, like we do, and we've now just hit our 250th game, uh, you know, I think sometimes developers do stuff that is really cool on paper and, uh, you know, like, oh, neat ideas. Didn't think they were thinking of this stuff back then, but the hardware just wasn't there yet. And we've experienced a lot of cool ideas. I'm not arguing that Willow is lame, uh, but it it is a very simple game. And yet, it's a very it, it's a long game by NES standards, right? In terms of like the the story and scope and the world, and there's a even though it's simple and straightforward, the uh, the combat system and the magic and uh, experience points that you develop, I feel like add an you know do enough of a job here that uh, I wasn't really left like wanting more i wasn't thinking of like oh well you know it would have been cool if they added like day and night cycle right Uh, just stupid stuff like that but you know what i mean like the other things it was it never bothered me that the game didn't really evolve yeah i i think that like you don't need to be particularly challenged to the point of like having to try over and over and over and over again to for something to be fun like i think the systems there are fun and all the other Excuse me. All the other tangibles, like just the graphics, are. This is a very pretty game. Like the the sprites are are beautiful. Uh, the all those little quality of life touches in the UI that I mentioned before. Like it's just a pleasant game to play, and I I don't think that um like incredible difficulty is necessary for it to be considered worthwhile. Yeah, I mean to that point, I think that the as far as difficulty of the game, there there are elements that are really difficult, but it never feels it never feels ridiculously punishing. It doesn't feel like it just lets you slide. It, like I think they just found a good balance that a lot of NES games haven't found of like the punishment that sort of supplements the the difficulty of it. Where it's like if you die, you lose all the experience you've gained since your last level, 
and you go back to like the last town or place you healed. You don't go back to the beginning of the game. You don't go down a bunch of levels. You don't lose any of your items. But you also never feel like it's okay to just die at any time because there is a consequence. So I think that they found like a a, a pretty sweet spot compared to like some other games. Yeah, and, and even just deaths in general. Uh, this is going to be a weird statement, but I, I understand what I mean. You guys let me know if it's confusing. <laughs> I, I died as many times in this game as I die in like modern games. Like the pacing of death felt right. You don't die that often in modern games unless you're playing like, you know, on a on a harder difficulty. Like games are just made a little easier now than they were back then, and I feel like when I died, I, you know, I, I accepted my deaths in Willow because it didn't happen like every other screen or like I was severely underleveled. Like it just was like, "Up, oh, I wasn't prepared for that challenge and next time I know to either go around those guys or deal with them differently or make them come to me so I can broad stroke sword uh what do you yeah like swing the sword wider um <laughs> you know like that i think that's just like a funny idea that uh the this game might have you know might not have been as intense in difficulty as other games back then but that is now a plus like in retrospect yeah that wasn't really something i was thinking about but i i you know looking back i i think i agree uh it was i mean i wouldn't say actually that Modern games are just easier. Like at, at least with this, there is some punishment to dying. That's not just like a, in a Naughty Dog game. It's like, oh, you last saved thirty nine seconds ago or something yeah. like that. Like there's still a th- you're you're still setting back if you've died, but uh, it's you don't die as often as in some of the games we played recently. Yeah, I think that for me, it just what it came down to is it all felt fair. Like I didn't feel frustrated all the time whenever I would lose whenever I would die it wasn't frustrating it was like like you said Mike I, now I gotta go back and try it again and I got an idea you know that, that's kind of like how I feel in like not even just modern games even like games in like the 90s like the late 90s you know where I'd be like okay I, I, I died here it's not so frustrating that like okay now I gotta go do all this stuff again or you know I'll never a lot of games that we play I feel like you go to a boss and you don't know the thing you need to do and the only way to know it is by like somebody telling you or or like getting there a million times and taking a ton of time to like figure it out. Whereas this, there were a couple times I got to a boss, didn't know what I needed to do, like didn't realize I needed something else, died, and then was like, okay, uh, let's try something else. And I went and explored more and then came back with like armed with knowledge. And I felt like that, that the game was designed to let you do that rather than to be like, well, you died, start the whole game over. Maybe next time when you get here, you'll know how to do it. To get into the combat, um, I feel like the easiest way to talk about the combat, we've already set up that this is a Zelda game and that it happens in real time and everything, is that there's not combat at all times, and you'll know when there's combat, because when you enter a particular screen, it'll just start, like, the environment will just start shaking. And uh, I I don't know about you guys, but that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, It's a a violent kind of shake, and I don't know if it was uh, necessary or not. I, I get it that it communicates that there are enemies coming, but so are... The enemies on the screen are communicating to me <laughs> that there are enemies here. <laughs> I I mean, I, th- I know that there are parts where the screen does shake wholesale, but I also was noticing that it's mostly like, oh, the grass starts blowing or like the leaves and trees. Like, it's not the whole screen. All right, the right. Time. It's like an atmospheric thing, which could work, but I just feel like it happens. It's like they designed two frames of it, you know, like when <laughs> like grass to the left, grass to the right, and it just shakes between those two. And uh, maybe I'm being like, uh, you know, uh, I'm exaggerating the effect. But to me, it was just, uh, is this necessary? <laughs> Dude. I, I mean, I can see both sides of it. It is it is a little jarring when you first get to it. And yes, maybe maybe it, it is definitely not necessary to tell you that there are enemies on the screen because there are enemies on the screen. But uh, I did feel like they were trying to go for like this, like, sort of anime style. The battle starts and like wind is blowing through the grass, like, you know, like it's like a... And like as you're squaring off with the enemies, and I thought that was cool. I like I liked it, but I I'm not going to defend it and say it's like, oh yeah, that was that was definitely needed, and it definitely like fully only exclusively worked. I can I can get people getting uh, annoyed with those two frames of animation. 
And then within combat, you'll have your sword, which you can upgrade several times. And uh, obviously, certain swords are stronger than others, but it comes with a uh, like a weight to it. And obviously, there's the only way to translate that weight is just how uh, fast you can t- attack in rapid succession. So the heavier the sword, uh, the more time it takes to uh, to swing that sword. Uh, you get a shield eventually, and the shield I thought was pretty cool because I was like, oh, what button do I have to use for the shield? And it's like. No buttons. Like, when you're not doing anything, it's your shield is active. And when you're doing anything else, then you can, uh, then your shield won't help you. And then the big thing is the spells and the magic, which I feel like, uh, is the, is the thing in the game that evolves and, uh, and it spices up the, the combat gameplay. And, uh, even early on, I was surprised by, like, some of these spells and the power that they give you, and uh, like that one with the that it creates the circle of fireballs. I was like, oh, this is op right now. Like I'm gonna walk all <laughs> over enemies whenever I have this. Yeah, that was the first one. Not only, not exactly did I say think it was like it was op, but I thought it was very. Um, it it was just designed uniquely. I feel like a lot of times we see magic, and it's like, okay, this is the fireball, and here's the lightning bolt, and they're like the same kind of thing, and they're like slightly different. But it's like feels like most spells not only like do a different amount of damage or whatever but also like they have a different effect or like a different a different way you have to think about using them. I and mean, you mentioned the fire thing that's one of my one that was one of my favorites because it was just so cool you you create a ring of fire around where you're standing and then you use that as like a fort you know you stay in that ring of fire as you're fighting like it just makes you think about it differently it's not just shoot a fire projectile you know that later on there's like a wind thing that like is like an area of effect thing that shoots in like all directions it just felt like each thing was there was thought put into each each spell right it might be a stretch here but i'm i'm even going to suggest that like certain things not every single one of them but like that fire one for instance it felt like it was something that you first go through that cave and there's those annoying bats that you know if depending on where they come from you can't reach them and then if you don't attack them quick enough they turn into um i guess like the vampire version of themselves or beast version of themselves it's a bigger bat yeah bigger bat there you go couldn't tell what they were going for uh <laughs> but then once you uh once you do everything in that cave you get the the fire spell and then when you're doing uh that that thing it makes it so much easier to deal with the bats like specifically so it was like a cool instant gratification thing of not a spell that you'll need later it's like now you can actually uh go through this cave uh on the way back out much easier yeah, I mean that's that's I that went over my head, but now that you're saying it, it does make sense. It seems like it was intentionally designed to show you why you like why you didn't realize you needed this spell. You know, it's like oh, the whole time these things are so annoying. It's like oh, this spell's perfect for dealing with these things I was just dealing with. In RPGs, people are usually guilty of you know like saving their items uh, for the end, and uh, there's not really items like that. But the the magic that you have especially early on when you don't have much mp uh you know you I, I at least was guilty of not using it and it was like freeing once i finally was like no screw it like i'm playing this game i'm probably not gonna beat it like i just want to experience it i started using my magic for fights that i just didn't want to deal with any anymore and it makes me think just in general about rpgs and how i should probably just use shit more often um but i don't know did you guys like conserve your mp or were you pretty free with it yeah, there were points when I, because I got a healing spell and I noticed I wasn't really picking up anything that could heal, you have to go to um, a specific house in towns to heal otherwise, or pick up things from treasure. It's not a usable item, it's just like, here's a treasure chest, uh, there's a doctor in there and he's going to heal you. Um, so there were points where I was sort of just conserving it to, like, oh, I might need to use the healing spell. Uh, but, yeah, at a certain point, I kind of got bored and decided to start spamming fire hexes on the ground like, we, like we've like we been talking about. Yeah, and I I, I think that uh, because the, the healing spell, whatever that is, the stat or the scepter or whatever that thing is that, that you use to heal, that takes 20 MP. But most of your, at least, like, for the first half of the game, most of your attack magic takes 5 MP. So it it did feel like it gave me some incentive to not just save for the health because I was like, well, okay, 5 MP, I can use four things and it costs as much as one heal. Like, I can afford that. And then I can still heal a bunch of other times. Um, so I felt like I had reason to use at least the fire sometimes. 
Uh, admittedly, I didn't use a lot of the other ones until late game when I got like the, there's like a lightning bolt, which also takes 20 MP, but is just completely overpowered. So I use that a lot, but, um, but that was, I think, deliberately a late game thing to show you, like, look how power, now you can just mow down everyone that used to give you trouble. Right. Cause when I think about the game's combat in general, it seems that the system is really built around the magic and, and that you should be using it often because otherwise, you know, the, the sword is just designed as, the, I don't want to say backup, but like the option for, you know, just the most generic, like, uh, you know, you do some damage and then they, you know, get some knockback and then they come back at you and you swing again. Like that can get very repetitive. The magic kind of spices things up a little. They do some creative things with the sword combat, uh, specifically with the combination of the sword and shield, where there are certain enemies who will, you know, fire a projectile at you. And you'll have to make sure that you're not trying to attack them so that you can properly block it, again, by not doing anything. That's how you use your shield. And then once that projectile seems like it's out of uh, the way or that they're not going to shoot another one, then it's time to go in for the attack. And that's kind of a cool, uh, again, reminds me of some more recent Legend of Zelda games with the way that they designed, uh, I'm thinking of like Skyward uh, Sword with the Wiimote and the Nunchuck and how you had to use the nunchuck for the shield and then strike at the right time you know there's a timing thing there that's not it's not hard it's not challenging at all it's just you have to be patient because if you don't you'll just take the damage and uh it teaches some cool swords play for otherwise very basic melee combat yeah and that timing really helped me to like uh appreciate and enjoy the the combat more than other games that i feel like make the mistake of really not including this type of like rhythm aspect to it like you fight early on, you fight. It's you think it's a boss probably at the beginning, but it's it's really not. It's like this. Um, I don't know. It's like this snake man. Yeah, <laughs> like he's guarding like the basilisk. pathways. Yeah, and like it's a challenging fight, and but it's but it's not. It's not like a lot of other games where I play. We just kind of like got to run in and slash, and then like run away and hope you don't get hit and try not. You know, just like it feels like there's actually a very deliberate. After a couple of fails, I kind of realized okay, there's a deliberate like battle pattern to this guy that I have to kind of learn. I run in for a couple hits, he's going to shoot, so I got to get to a spot where I can like dodge between his projectiles, then get another couple hits, run away. You know, that felt... I keep We keep using this word like modern games, but like that felt like what I'm used to playing in modern games and not what I'm used to playing for a lot of games for this podcast. Sean, you mentioned at the top of the episode, or near the top of the episode, that it's a very good-looking game. Did you want to uh, speak to that a little more? Um, I think uh, one of the best examples is just Willow himself. I like that. That like sprite looks like it, it could be in like Super NES to me. <laughs> I don't know if it's just the color scheme or uh, uh, the the uh lining or whatever you want to call it i just really liked playing as him um and the backgrounds are 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 pretty detailed as well and it's not like you know coming from a game that uh it just looked like oh here's just random textures sort of scattered around like it just it felt very like painterly it's funny about the willow sprite in specific because um you know you were mentioning Super Nintendo sprites, and to this day, I still don't know if Link in Link to the Past has pink hair or if that's just part of his hat. Like that, and that's a sprite. You know, like that's a sprite in sixteen bit, and they couldn't make it clear. But here, it's like very clear with the orange hair. You know, uh, so I uh, kudos to this game for getting it right, even uh, what sixteen bit games couldn't necessarily do. Yeah, and like uh, it's funny that what. What you both just said have, has kind of invoked things that I was thinking before. I mean, for one, I thought that personally the background, right away, the backgrounds, especially when you go in a cave, first thing I thought was like, this feels like Super Nintendo. Um, and also, admittedly, I've only played the opening hour or so of Link to the Past, but I kept thinking like, this feels like playing Link to the Past. Now, maybe I'm, again, I have only, maybe I'm misremembering what it feels like to play Link to the Past, but like, both of those, this was just felt like it was a, like just I don't know a little bit technically above what I thought I would see on the NES. Since we're just nonstop with the Zelda stuff, I might as well mention too <laughs> that there was a uh, there was a moment when you get to Lake Chief, 
uh, and you meet the, it's a cutscene, obviously, but uh, they show your little guy and then this just, you know, massive woman uh, in, in the sky. She must be like, uh, you know, a spirit or whatever. She's the, the fairy, the great fairy of that area. And obviously there are great fairies in The Legend of Zelda too, And in Breath of the Wild, no less, uh, the great fairies there are gigantic. And it's really like, uh, it's, it's really cool the first time you run into one of them. It's less cool the other three times. But the first time it's like, <laughs> wow, like, the, you know, they've never done it like this before. Like, the great fairy always has a big entrance in, in Zelda games. But now here, like, you can feel her massive presence and, like, that she protects this land and effectively enough like i'm gushing over it but like it did it just the same with eight bits and lake chief uh when you meet this uh this fairy it felt like uh you can sense the scale of the character that we've met i uh i didn't get that far (laughs) well i don't think you know i didn't beat the game i i did get i did get further than you but uh i didn't beat the game i didn't feel the need to beat the game Joe, did you feel the need to beat the game? Did you beat the game? I, I didn't feel the need to beat the game, but I did beat it. So I, so I, I played for a little while, and I, and I felt at one point, okay, I have enough to, to, um, to talk about this on the podcast. I don't feel like I need to beat the game. I think I, at that point I was just a little over halfway through. Um, but I just had time still before the podcast. You know, I had a couple days still, and I was like itching to play it more. So I did, um, I did end up beating the game. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, of not feeling the need. But just kind of uh, doing it because, you know, there is that sometimes you feel the need and that like hurts the gameplay experience because <laughs> you feel like you're like, I just got to finish this. Like, I got to find out right. how it ends, uh, whereas you were just playing more casually and got there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'll say from the perspective of I'm not sure how much uh, how far away from the end you were, but I, I would say that there were a couple of things um, maybe in like the, I think I think they were both in the last or second to last like area of the game that uh, were negatives, <laughs> you know, like, like, but not, not enough to like really hurt my experience. But for one, there was one time I remember thinking that something happened that I just couldn't have known without a guide, uh, which is still remarkable that I didn't do that any, any more than one time because of how often we see that. Um, but it was something where it's like, okay, you run into this old man, you, he doesn't do anything. You keep going. You, you progress uh, quite a ways further. You run into someone else, also doesn't do anything. And then apparently after talking to that second person, you have to go back to that old man and then he'll give you something. So, like, that was kind of annoying. Like, I wouldn't have known that. Granted, it's all pretty linear at that point, so eventually I probably would have found my way back to that old man just by wandering. But, like, that seemed like that seemed like the antithesis of what this game has been doing the rest of the time. So that was kind of annoying. And the other thing was there was a point when you get towards the end where it's like, okay, you do need to grind up to a certain level in order to be strong enough to have a chance in the final boss. At that point, grinding wasn't that much of a pain because you have some spells that can just destroy everything on the screen. But I can see that being like a slight negative for people when they get to the end. But uh, it seemed like they were just trying to like, uh, you know, make a, like a, a major challenge at the end and they didn't, um, you know, factor in that like not everyone's going to be a high enough level. You know, we're talking about uh, all of these different things that uh, Willow acquires, and of course he would also acquire an ocarina, which, uh, you know, there's a whole Zelda game around that one as well. So, wow, we've almost we've almost talked about every single Zelda game inside of this Willow episode. <laughs> I don't think there's a mask, so I don't think we'll get the, the whole way there, but, um, you know. Well, there's sort of a mask. I mean, it's, it's that spell, but it looks like it's like a helmet you put on that turns you into a monster. Perfect. Oh, the the I know you. There you go. I, I know what you're talking about because I'm looking at the guide. I didn't get that far. Yeah, what's it but, called? Uh, it looks like actually, you know, to go back to the Pokemon reference too. It looks like you're wearing a uh, Cubone's, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> skull. Yeah, yeah. So everything was based off of Willow, guys. Just know that this right. game was so influential for the video game industry. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, just a little bit of development stuff. Uh, this was game was made by Capcom, obviously. The director, Yoshiki Akamoto, uh, commented that the game was part of a broader strategy from Capcom at the time to appeal to a wider audience by using established characters from other media because their original characters could be too niche. The reason I mention this is not because it's just some weird abstract quote, but he is saying that at the time, Mega Man, (laughs) a Capcom character, is too niche for the wider audience of video games. And we need to appeal to people by using uh, the hit film Willow 
uh, and sell, you know, and sell this to our people. This is the stuff that will get people excited for video games. And obviously, like, if you decide which franchise is more popular, the massive Willow multiverse or, uh, or Mega Man games, clearly uh, time has been more kind to Capcom's original characters. Hey, man, I mean, Willow's out again now with new stuff. Like, just a week or so ago, you know? Willow 2? Oak? It's a, it's a Disney Plus show now, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. It's funny. I heard about this uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. This is the game we've been playing. <laughs> like, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, This is a huge just cultural blind spot for me, and I didn't even know that there was a new one in production. So that that's a thing yeah you just broke this story to me that's for sure uh it's gonna be on (laughs) disney plus uh wow actually this is crazy guys the nostalgia curse happens again and not really curse but like we spoke of it and because we recorded this episode it's happening you remember that time we recorded castlevania and it was right on halloween like as if like that's random (laughs) but no that's just the way the books work we don't say what episodes get recorded when Willow is releasing the 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 new series is releasing uh the same week as this episode. So no way. our listeners <laughs> in the the future have already maybe seen that it's on their uh their playlist. Yeah, but more so I'm saying that obviously uh we you know, to to boost podcast sales, we funded the Willow TV series on Disney Plus long ago to coincide. It's a marketing plan, yeah, uh, for us. You so, know, it was right well, before we, funny, we recorded Ten Yard Fight. I think it's funny that people that have seen um, like trailers for it will look at like, oh, upcoming nostalgia, oh Willow. They must be going out of order to capitalize on the Willow hype. And then they're going to listen to the episode and be like, oh, no, they're just idiots. And they just didn't even know. <laughs> right, right. They're going to search for Willow and find this. And you know what would be funny, too? If Willow on Disney Plus decides to tell the story of the video game because the video game didn't <laughs> tell the story of the movie. Right. The game based on the movie based on the game, except I said that backwards. And uh, one more piece of development. Sean, that's so funny about the show. I would have never known. I didn't have that <laughs> I in my thought notes you were going to get into it earlier. <laughs> thought, it was a dead, thought it was a dead franchise for sure. But Disney will revive anything if you want them to. I mean, they made that live-action Lady in the Tramp film, so they'll do anything. Uh, anything when's, Lucas. When's live-action Aristocats coming, right? That's what we all care about. I want to see cats play jazz uh, instruments. Uh, Toku... Uh, I'm not going to say this name. Uh, the guy who was the producer of Willow, um, not the movie, the video game, not the Disney Plus show, the video game. He was not only the producer of Willow, he was also the producer of Essential Game Mega Man 2 and currently not Essential Game DuckTales, but also the director of Ghosts and Goblins. So safe to say this guy, you know, especially back in these days, knew what was good. Uh, a lot of great games attached to, uh, I'm going to try it, I'm going to try it. Tokuro Fujiwara. That's great. I think you you nailed it. Yeah, the P and the H are silent. No, I'm joking. There's no, there's none of that. <laughs> none of that. Most recent game he made was Ghost and Goblins Resurrection in 2021. Uh, but the uh, most recent game, other than that, uh, that he uh, did the like game design for was Mad World. That weird Wii game that had a chainsaw and was all like black and white, but the chainsaw would produce the red blood so that it would the red color would get everywhere in your black and white games and it's like whoa this is coming to Wii like are you sure is about that, that like a like a suda not suda one of the one of the guys with the weird names it looks like a forum handle yeah like no suda yeah suda 51 swear yeah that's no more heroes is what you're thinking of, which oh, is not okay. the same kind of game, but no, no, but good, good call. Uh, Mad world <laughs> was made by Sega. And that was like, it's just a weird time where like people were referenced, you know, like back when there were console wars, people were referencing like, yeah, well, the, Wii has games for mature audiences. They have mad <laughs> world. And it's like, nobody's itching to play mad world. I tell you, it Sorry did eventually mad world fans out there. Right. Right. It did eventually go to the Xbox 360 and PlayStation three as well. So, um, no, it didn't. A spiritual, oh. a spiritual successor went to the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Or did it? Called Anarchy Reigns. Uh, 
On the sequels and spin-off side, since I didn't know about the TV show, I'm just going to stay in the video game world. I'm sure they also, you know, released a, a soundtrack uh, on vinyl that you can buy. That's probably a hot collector's item these days. They probably, you know, George Lucas loves his toys. Uh, he got a sweet toy deal at Star Wars at the beginning, and that's how he made most of his billions was through those toys. So I'm sure he made toys for Willow, and I'm sure some of you guys own them. But we're not here to talk about toys or Disney Plus shows. We're here to talk about <laughs> video games, and that's what the sequels and spin-off section is today. Because the same year as the NES game, Capcom made an arcade game uh, for Willow, which is uh, not like this at all. It's a side-scrolling, like, run-and-gun style game. And uh, I use run-and-gun lightly there, but that's the closest analogy I can think of. But that one, uh, not that it, like, follows the events of the movie, but I think has more movie characters in it. But the first Willow game was developed not by Capcom, but by Mindscape for computers. And it's, like, five mini-games based on scenes from the film, such as a first-person maze that when you go into the wrong room, you lose, and you start right back at the beginning. So uh, oh, that I think that's perfect. Yeah, perfect. The kind of stuff people love. Just what Joe was talking about with deaths, right? Like, you always want to go right back to the beginning. <laughs> that's how I do it with books, too. If I read a word wrong, I go right back to page one. <laughs> I don't think I understood that paragraph. I'm going to, yeah. Book yeah, one start over, right. And we're not going to start the episode over. We're actually going to end the episode on the thing that we've been doing for the last 250 episodes, and that is the Essential Games List. Sean, your vote for Willow. I've been, we've all been singing the praises of Willow. Uh, I may not have known it was an intellectual property and uh, a popular one at that, though apparently the movie didn't get rave reviews. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know, that's not playing into my vote, uh, but I just wanted to note that uh, it's okay that I haven't heard of it because apparently it wasn't very good. It was like, okay. Uh, but yeah, we've been, we've been singing the praises of Willow, and I, I stand by everything I've said, like with all of the, like how well it's presented, the visuals of it, uh, how, how good the combat feels and the, the uh, uniqueness of some of the magic items. And I like all these things, but like, I, I don't know if I can go as far as to say that this is a, um, an essential game because it, it is quite derivative um, in some of the more core aspects of it. So I'm going to go with no. Joe? Your vote. Okay, yeah. I've also been singing the praises of this game. Um, there's a bunch of things that I feel like I still haven't talked about, and I'm just going to lightning round through them real fast. Like, the intro of this game blows me away. Very, like, epic feeling, you know, that you don't come to expect for an NES game. Joe, wait. The intro? I did have a note about this, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, it is it. a great intro, and no, no, like disrespect here. The writing is what the writing is, but I thought it was funny that the the like the reveal in the intro video of like, and that <laughs> special magic. power was magic. It's like, isn't that also just as vague as special power? Like, that's <laughs> like saying, and that magic was magic. <laughs> I mean, yes, if you look into that, it's it's kind of it's kind of funky, but like, it sucked me right in. I was like, oh my god, it's magic. Like what? Like I was even though there's been magic in like every game we've played, but uh, but I loved that. I, you know, it was just such a cool like it was cinematic. You know, um, but then like having beaten the game too, like there's there's some really cool stuff. Like I I encourage you guys to to get to the end of this game because like there's just these cool little story beats that like lead into the finale. Characters that you've met throughout like come back into play in interesting ways. Like I think almost every character that you've met throughout like major player comes back in the end in some way that you need to, like, interact with them, get something from them. They help you out of spots and everything. Like, that was really cool. And, like, just, like, the even the end credits of this game are feel more advanced than, you know, they feel more cinematic than anything we've had before. And we didn't even talk about, like, the boss battles and everything. But even that, like, it's just the, the whole way that... The, this whole game just really... If you can't tell, I am smitten by this game. Like, I I felt like... 
this game was made for me. It's 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 that adventure I'm always talking about. It was epic. It never felt like I needed to go to some outside source to figure out what I'm supposed to do next. I always felt like I was in control, and I had like a variety of gameplay options of how to play with the different magics, and everything felt it never felt janky. It felt like I was playing a a, a game from a later era. So I am definitely 100% going to vote for this uh, essential. And I, I mean, I, I just think this was like such a treat for the last game of 1989. Um, so yeah, essential. And we should just mention that Joe's been looking forward to Willow. Not that he's played it before uh, in the past, but that uh, you casually like mentioned this to me back in like like mid-2018. You were like, oh, one day we're going to play Willow. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, let me let me elaborate on that, too, because I don't want anyone to think that my opinion was colored because I was anticipating it. I just one time saw the intro to Willow and thought, wow, that's really cool. But like, I had no idea really what to expect from the game. And I had, I had seen, like I said, the very beginning of it. Um, but I, I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I as I do. I mean, I was hoping to, but I was like, you know, it could just be another RPG. It just always looked like a really cool told story. Um, so, yeah, that's why. Joe, you were mentioning uh, that 1989 is ending on a really cool note with Willow, but I'm sure fans would like to, not that you've forgotten, you're one of the people who voted, <laughs> but fans would like us to remember that Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, was the finale of 1988. So maybe there is like a, a thing here where they do try to put the, save the best for last as the big push, mm. you know, <laughs> for the holiday season. That's crazy, that was that long ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. We recorded that episode uh, probably like three years ago now, but people still talk to us about it. And who knows? Maybe next week that'll change. Maybe it won't. The only thing important right now is whether Willow's getting on the essential games list because Sean was a no, Joe was a yes. And for the first time in maybe um, 500 episodes, even though we've only recorded 250, I have some power in the in the vote here. <laughs> and so to me... You know, I changed my vote <laughs> yeah, just to take the right, power away. Right. Uh, Willow is a complete package and while it might be simple, and I, you know, I use that word a lot, simple, straightforward, you know, even, uh, it's, not that I want, like, Castlevania 2, like, what the fuck is that guy telling me? Like, I like that they're being clear about it. I also don't mind, you know, puzzles and, uh, and rumors and, and uh, exploration encouragement. I don't need them to necessarily, like, tell me where I'm going next. But even though it's a very simple and straightforward game, it gets everything that it sets out to do right. So at worst, this game just isn't respectful of your time. Uh, not in like the grinding thing, because I never really ran into that. Joe mentioned that that might be a problem later. But not respectful in your time in the sense of like, you don't have a map and sometimes you might go in the wrong direction and then you got to like backtrack a little bit. But what modern game or modern 50 plus hour game, this game's only probably about five hours long if you know what you're doing. Uh, what modern 50 plus hour game doesn't like also waste your time a little bit here and there. Uh, I don't really think that that's like the end of the world. And when I look at like the current essential games list, I think it'd be a mistake not to have Willow on there, at least for now. Uh, Cause I really enjoyed my time with it. And I think again, everything it set out to do, it did. It just probably left a little uh, more to desire. And just to further like go over the point of that we were singing its praises and even just like trying to look at like, well, what was negative reception like back in the day? And uh, this magazine, uh, Video Games and Computer Entertainment Magazine, gave it a 7 out of 10, praising the graphics, but was critical of the music and the complex password system. It's like, maybe, maybe <laughs> those are problems, but come on, you're going to detract three yeah. points for some music, which personally, not yeah. the worst music I've ever heard in video games. Honestly, some of it was probably pretty good. I don't remember it that much, so it couldn't be bad if I don't remember it. But <laughs> password systems yeah, get a pass, something. right? I yeah, I, I do remember some I'm... of the tracks. I did like uh, some of them. Some of them also, though, are kind of repetitive over time. Um, but just on your point about the uh, password systems, I think that's just that was a priority for some people. Like that, if it's completely unwieldy to be able to continue your progress, like the, I think that's a big deal for people that aren't like that didn't have like a smartphone to take a picture of something or. Uh, any other possibly less than gray market legal way to play a game without having to write down a password. So I, I think it's just a matter of modern priorities. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, I don't even remember the password. I think the password is like 12 digits. 
So you could write that down in a couple seconds. Yeah, 18. Oh, 18. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) But but I will say that, yeah, I was going to mention, I forgot too, that like another thing that I would like give a minor negative is that like I wish there was a little more music variety in this game as well. It's like it's like there's like one track that's like a lot of the overworld theme and then switches to a battle track, which is just like that same track a little sped up. Kind of that, yeah, that got kind of annoying, right. especially because there's some really, really good music later in the game, but definitely not enough to like put even like a one a mark against it for me. Now, Joe, don't forget too the the whole time you're in the overworld of Legend of Zelda, you're only ever hearing that track, and then when you're in the dungeons, you're only ever hearing the dungeon track. So you know that game. What should I take a point off of it too? Is it not a ten out of ten because right. the music's kind of repetitive? Yeah, right. Uh, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna vote to take it off the essential game. Very good. Next <laughs> week. Next week when we do our best of 1989, that's when we kind of like. Take a look at the entire Essential Games list. You don't want to miss it, but also if you're not familiar with that whole concept of what these best of episodes are, do yourself a favor and go back to at least the best of 1988 to see all the shenanigans that went on in that episode. To close out uh, Willow, because we'll actually close out 1989 uh, next episode, there's no point in doing that here when we're going to have a whole episode about the entire year. I'll just say Willow uh, was the 89th best game for the NES, according to IGN, which to me personally means nothing, but I'm just throwing out some stats here. <laughs> the final issue of Nintendo Power ranked it 254th out of 285 for best Nintendo games ever. Uh, again, how do you come... Why 285? I think it was because that was how many issues of Nintendo Power. But how do you come up with like the difference between the 254th game and the 253rd yeah. <laughs> game? Uh, list should never be that large. I think like let's keep it the top 10s. And other modern reviews from 1up.com cited uh, Willow as a rather poor game inspired by The Legend of Zelda and said Crystallis, which we haven't gotten to yet, is a far better Zelda-style game. So if that's true, not saying it is, we'll find out, Willow might have be in Jeopardy later, but as of right now, it's on the Essential Games list. No, we have another Jeopardy game. We do. We'll talk oh, about Willow. So. Yeah, let's we do, do have another Jeopardy game. <laughs> let's I'm do that instead eggs. of Best of 89. Let's yeah, go, let's break sequence. <laughs> You've heard it now. We're going right to um, Jeopardy. Uh, what is it? 25th anniversary? Did we play that one yet? Jeopardy Senior. Yeah, Je- yeah, because we played Junior. You're right. So we didn't play 25th yeah. anniversary. That's it. That's the game. 